So, okay, everything ended and we were supposed to have this rep party. And I was like, oh my God, rep party. I just want to sleep, you know, because we were so exhausted. I remember that I was having a day for me, the last day, the, the rep party day. So I was like going to the spa and then was just relaxing. And when I was like alone with myself, without work, I was just, okay, I don't, I, I didn't want to have like bad relationship with you. I really wanted to be honest with you. And I was just texting you that we should go together to the prep party. And you agreed because we have those days that we should spend like in some kind of nice mood and not to like be like angry we started or something. This together. I rem- we started it together and yeah. we should end it together. And that's what it together, felt like yeah. to me. And I was, yes. And I, yes. And I was like, okay, we really should do that. I think that we didn't want to go to that rep party. So we were like postpone it all the time, you know? So we were like very late. So when we appeared, we, we also saw there with his girlfriend and everything. And when I saw them, I knew I had that feeling that something bad will happen. I don't know. I didn't know what on that moment, but I really felt that because they were watching us, Tommy. They were really watching us all the time. And I think that he has this plan. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I remember that too. I had that same feeling. I wish I would have said something to you um, instead of just getting a drink. The first time I got drunk, I was 12 years old. My parents had just finished their divorce a few months earlier, so my dad packed me my brother and seven of our friends into a Chevy Suburban and drove north on the I-5. I know what you're thinking. A Vegas trip with nine kids and one adult? But the trip wasn't as dark as it sounds, or as reckless. My dad really thought it was a good way for us to all bond, and in a lot of ways it was. We visited State Line and rode the roller coaster at Buffalo Bills. We played mini golf at Circus Circus, endless games at the arcades. My dad's a good guy. He's not much of a gambler or a drinker for that matter. He's not some poker addict or that neglectful father smoking Paul Malls in the Kino room, no. My dad was there for us. And maybe for the women. Not the prostitutes. Tom Sr. prefers the subtle games in life, like flirting with the Asian blackjack dealers. He's always fancied himself a ladies' man up to any challenge, so even though he spent most of his time with us, there was one night when Tom went out to play games of his own. So us kids, we had one whole evening, alone to ourselves. My brother and his 17-year-old buddies were supposed to watch us that night. Take me and my three best friends, all adolescents, to the New York, New York Arcade. Biggest in Vegas at the time. I remember my brother's friends arguing with him, trying to convince him to take us back to the hotel so that they could roam the streets out searching for whatever 17-year-old boys search for. It always hurt my feelings so bad when my brother or his friends didn't want to hang out with me. I was a sensitive little prick, so used to being liked from a young age that I became absolutely addicted to it. 
I was a child actor, a straight-A student, and everybody always told me I was special. But that resulted in a strange habit of acting out for attention at the first sign of rejection. This little voice that would push me to do some pretty strange things for a kid. Often trying to scare people, actually. I'd chase my friends with knives. I'd run out in the middle of oncoming traffic. I'd throw bricks at cars. <sighs> well, that night I remember pleading with my brother while he dragged us out of the arcade and through the casino back to our room next door at the Luxor. Begging him to just take us with them. But he didn't say a word. When we got back to the room, his friend Andrew Smith pushed me to the ground and told me to stop whining like a bitch. And that's when my weird little voice kicked in. I went into my dad's room and opened up his closet, and then removed the bottle of Smirnoff I knew he'd hidden there. It was barely touched. I went back to find my brother and his friends standing at the mirror slathering gel into their hair, backs to me. I unscrewed the cap and took a deep breath. And then I screamed in my little 12-year-old voice. Fuck you, you fucking bitches. I tilted my head back and started gulping as fast as I could. I'd never even had a sip of beer before, so it must have scorched my throat. But I honestly don't remember the taste. I just remember drinking more and more and more as they watched me, eyes wide, probably totally confused. I don't know why I thought that drinking that bottle was payback or something, or what I thought it proved, but when I couldn't stand anymore, I pulled the bottle from my mouth, half empty now, and well on my way to alcohol poisoning when my brother tackled me to the ground, screaming something or other. But I didn't care. I couldn't feel anything. Just the rush. If you're trying to be an icon, then the icon becomes you. If you're trying to be a model, little cat walk over you. If you're trying to walk in straight shoes, then these shoes will bend you too. If you're trying to be a kid again, the kid will kidnap you. You know it's you. The guy you know, well, that's just you. And there is nothing you can do. Just like a door you can get through. When there is no one left to fool Don't go and drown in that old pool Don't kid yourself To celebrate the end of production, we rented out the top floor of a three-story restaurant in the old town of Riga. Cobblestone streets, light snow, and a full moon. But rap parties in Latvia are not like rap parties in the U.S. where someone just stands up and says some bullshit and then everybody gets wasted. Because like I said, in Latvia they give speeches. Real speeches. Talking in delicious detail about what they're grateful for, what they learned, what they'll miss. It's beautiful. And at the end of all the speeches, Destan gets on stage. He's up there to hand off a present to the star of our movie, but at the end of his speech, Destan takes an odd turn. And he begins talking about me. Which is deeply uncomfortable when he's standing on stage right next to her. We all come into each other's lives with a purpose, and we change each other. Tony, you have changed me, and I love you like a brother. He comes off stage, grabs me by the shoulder, and looks at me in the eye. Tommy, you know that I mean this, yes? Yeah, Destan. I love you too. 
What are we doing after this tonight, Tommy? Where should we go? Uh, after this? I don't know if I can do anything after, man. I, I, I've been working for a long time without a break. I'm flying home in 48 hours. I think I just need a rest. Probably going to go back with Mariana and wind down. No, Tommy. Tonight. We party. And before I know it, one of Distan's guys has cleared out the bathroom downstairs where he and I are laying out a series of alarmingly large lines of cocaine. Here, Tommy. This will fix you. One, two, three, and I'm lit. Champagne and cocaine. Soon I'm sweating on the dance floor, having the time of my life. Then, across the crowd, I spot Irina. Destan's favorite girlfriend. Her eyes lock to mine and she's walking towards me. And we start dancing. Casually at first, inside a big group, we're smiling and laughing. I spin her once or twice, I can't remember. But then, she gets close. Really close. Our stomachs are touching and she's biting her lip in that way that only means one thing. And I get nervous and I look over her shoulder to see Destan standing by the door staring at us. I gasp, I separate, and I head to the bar to grab a water because now it is definitely, definitely time to go. But as a bartender slides me a bottle, I feel a big hand land firmly on my shoulder. Are you having a good time, Tommy? Yeah, yeah, really, really good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little tired, though. I see you dancing with that in the corner. Do you like dancing with Arina, Tommy? Yeah, we, we were all dancing. She is very beautiful, Tommy. Don't you think she is beautiful? Yeah. You know I see everything, Tommy. Tonight, we party. And before I know it, we're back downstairs blowing lines. On our way back up the stairs, I lose Destan in the crowd and find my producer, Julia, to ask for help. Julia is angular, intelligent, and kind, always wearing turtlenecks, and she dates a six-foot-tall art curator, 20 years her junior. This girl is named Victoria. Latvian lesbian goals. But right now, I'm scared and I need help. Julie, Destan keeps asking me what we're doing tonight, and I keep trying to dodge, but he's not taking no for an answer. He just keeps saying, tonight, wait, party, and I've been doing all this coke, and I'm supposed to be spending my last night saying goodbye to Mediana, but I don't want to piss him off, and I just, I just don't know what to do. Please, can you help me? And then she looks at me. Julie looks at me dead serious, and she says, Domain, run. What? Not exactly the most comforting way to give advice, but her English can be a little crude, so I ask for clarification. You know you can say no to him, so leave. Disappear. He will forget about the tomorrow. In fact, we will run with you too. She grabs Victoria, I grab Mariana, and we head downstairs, then outside through the doors to leave when... Shit! I forgot my bags! It's a rap party, and I'm the director. I have tons of little presents and cards and keepsakes. I just... I can't leave it all behind. Uh... Fuck! I'll be right back. I run back up the stairs, into the coat closet. I grab my bags and turn to run when... Tommy! Where are you going, man? Oh, Distan. I just got super tired. I I was about to head home. No, Tommy. Because tonight, we party. He puts his arm around my shoulder and two of his guys flank us and guide us downstairs. Outside, I find that Julie and her girlfriend are gone. But Mediana's there, and Distan's girlfriend is holding her from behind, smiling. Before I know it, his SUV pulls up, we're guided inside, the doors close, lock, and we're off going I don't know where. I remember watching snow melt on the windows and thinking to myself, Tonight, tonight won't end well. I, I wasn't at that moment because I was like okay what 
could happen. We will go there, have a one or three drinks, and then go home, you know? The car ride was strange, because nobody said a word. Mariana and me, Destan, his girl, the driver. Just silence. We pull up in front of what turns out to be one of Destan's buildings, the multi-story bachelor pad where his girlfriends live. We're ushered through the gate, up the stairs, and down a long hallway that leads to an austere metal security door. Mariana's gripping to my hand pretty tightly by now. We walk into a clean modern apartment, vaulted ceilings, dramatic windows, and a wraparound balcony. But a few things immediately stand out about this place. Instead of a couch, there's a massively long bed. And on either side of the fireplace is an iron statue of a voluptuous woman, each adorned with a neon wig, one pink and one green. And where you normally find a coffee table, there's a three-foot marble cube. Sit, 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 let's get comfortable. I'll order some champagne. Destan moves to the kitchen, pops an expensive bottle of bubbles and pours four tall glasses. Irina heads to the bedroom to put away her coat, and Mariana and I move to the bed slash couch. We knew that we can leave before he gave us those drinks, but we didn't know what will happen. Sitting there, I see Destan stirring something into the glasses, but I'm drunk. And the obvious answer to what's about to happen isn't so obvious to me. And this is the moment that I could have stopped it. When an uncomfortable night could have ended as just that instead of taking a sharp turn into something much darker. Destan comes over and sits with us, carefully handing out the glasses, looking at me in the eye. It was like uh, those feelings that he was always around us and he was, oh, I will fix you guys now. I will give you some drinks and it will help you to feel better. You know, Tony, I've been thinking about the toast you made the night we met. The toast to try. I really didn't have any suspicion in my mind that he would give us the drugs and not telling us. It's just then that I notice Arena is still missing from the party, when a figure comes running out of the bedroom, giggling and wearing neon pink lingerie. Whoa, 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 what's going on here? Destan turns to me and Mariana, feigning confusion as he gets up and moves to the kitchen, leaning against the countertop and watching the show. He knows exactly what's going on here. Mariana and I sit frozen. Arena, if you're already dressed like this... Why don't you put on some music, huh? She obeys, then moves slowly to the giant marble cube at the center of the floor. Irina kneels down and pulls out a massive drawer filled top to bottom with an entire sex shop full of toys and outfits. She pulls Mariana from her seat and starts draping various pieces of playwear across her body. Take off your coat. Mariana looks at me uncertain and clearly scared. I had figured we'd come up for a drink, have a chat for 30 minutes, make up some excuse and bounce, but things are clearly getting much more Kubrick than a casual conversation. Uh, Destan, 
I, I have a really bad headache. We've got to get out of here. Thanks so much for a great evening. And my head really did hurt. My eyes were heavy and I was having a tough time focusing. No problem, man. I'll fix you. This Don grabs me by the shoulder and I stumble into the kitchen, some heavy fog rolling into my head. He pulls a bottle from his cabinet and hands me two pills. This will help your head. It's no problem, man. Just dance. Hang out a bit. You can leave in a few minutes. I swallow the pills and start dancing. But after a single song, somehow I lose track of time. Suddenly I look up and I'm on the balcony smoking a cigarette, but I don't even remember coming out here. After five or less minutes, I just starting to feel like I'm going away somewhere, like blackout. And I was like, fuck, something weird was starting to happening. I find myself looking through the glass door and see Mariana stumbling around the apartment. Irina is just watching her dancing and drinking more champagne. Everything feels like it's moving in slow motion. Do you want to get more comfortable, man? I startle and turn around to find Estan standing on the balcony right next to me. He's got a parka on, but beneath it I can see his bare chest and his underwear. I've got some gym shorts, sweatbands, boxers, other stuff. No, I'm fine. I'm sweating now. Even though it's freezing cold, I'm sweating. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, okay. You're the boss. But I'm not the boss. Destan's the boss, and he knows it. Destan, Destan, man, please, I, I actually think I'm getting sick. It's no problem, man. Come on, I'll fix you. I'm guided back into the kitchen where he pours out two pills and places them in my hand. But this time, I look at them, and I realize that they're unlike anything I have ever seen. I remember that he was trying to give you some other pills. Do you remember that? They were yellow and shaped like a teardrop. What are these? It will fix you, man. It's no problem. But Destan, what are they? Don't worry. I take ten of them at a time. It's just a testosterone booster. It will make you fuck like Superman. But I don't want to. Eat it, Tommy. I don't think it's going to. Eat it. So I pop them in my mouth. And then when he turns around, I spit them out and shove them in my pocket. But right then, as if queued up by the gods of bad luck, the walls suddenly start to move and close in on me. I just starting to feel like I'm going away somewhere. I don't know, just blackout, you know. And I was like, fuck, something weird was starting to happening. <laughs> This next part of the story is difficult to translate because I don't really know what I remember and what I forget. All of my memories are stuck inside or between these black vacuums of time. Looking back at it, it's like being in a horror movie, having no control over what happens and being completely vulnerable and susceptible to whatever they want, whatever he wanted. And that's when the blackouts begin. Blackout. I wake up kneeling on the bathroom floor, vomiting into the toilet. Blackout. 
I wake up dancing with the girls, just on watching us from the kitchen and smiling. Blackout. I wake up standing in Destan's room. I'm leaning lifeless against the wall. Come on, Tommy. It's time to change. Blackout. I wake up and Mariana is curled in the corner of the room and I'm holding her. Her head is lulled back completely limp and her face is the most terrifying image that I've ever seen. Her eyes are wide, forehead beaded with sweat, pupils darting back and forth so rapidly. I don't want to have sex with them, Tommy. Don't let me have sex with them, Tommy. I only want to have sex with you, Tommy, because I love you and I love you and I love you and I... I've done a lot of drugs in my life, but I've never felt anything like this. I've never seen anything like her face. She is fine, Tommy. Just give her some coke. I look up to find Estan watching us from the other side of the room. In a brief moment of lucidity, I realize what's happening. We've been drugged, and we need to get out of here. I begin fumbling around somewhere deep inside, searching for the save yourself button for the save your friend button, and I push it. I lift Mariana up and I start carrying her towards the door. Where are you going, Tommy? We don't feel well. Just put her in the bedroom, Tommy. She'll be fine, Tommy. Go talk to her, Tommy. She wants to talk to you, Tommy. She's got something to show you, Tommy. No, we, we know. We, we've got to go. And he stands in front of me, blocking my path, his shirt off, his pants off. I'm trying so hard just to stand and focus, but I can't because the world around me is undulating and rolling. I was like falling and losing conscience constantly and he was saying that you should take me to the bed and left me there. We make it to the front door, but while I'm reaching for my shoes, Mariana falls limp and slides to the floor. Irina appears in a baby blue French maid's outfit, bare chest hanging from her costume. No! She grabs my shoes and runs into the bedroom. She was half naked trying to stop us to leave the apartment and... Um... We were, like, struggling with them, and she was constantly, like, don't let them go. Like, we were, like, toys. I don't know. I, I, I had that feeling that they wanted us to to be their toys, you know, because they were planning that, I think, for some time, and just trying to have um, a moment to do that. I follow Arena, and I take my shoes. I put them on and I run back to the door and grab Mariana's purse. Irina grabs the purse and runs back into the bedroom, shouting at Destan in Russian. Listen to me, Tommy. Don't you trust me, Tommy. You must trust me, Tommy. Don't be listen to me, Tommy. Listen to me. Listen to me. Fuck my jacket. Fuck her purse. And with a burst of fear-fueled adrenaline, I throw open the door. And we run into the hall and down the stairs and into the streets. And we run. And we run. And we run. I wake up and we're stumbling down the middle of the street. I don't know if we've been out here for two minutes or twenty, but it's gotta be fifteen degrees and I'm not wearing a jacket. And I can't see anything. Just bright, blooming lights and the sound of Mediana's chattering teeth. He wanted to fuck us, Tommy. He wanted to fuck us. He, he is one of those guys with the monies. He thinks he can control us, but he can't control us. You shot him, Tommy. And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. Mariana, we need to focus. We, we, we've been drugged. Do you understand? And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. Please stop. Please stop talking. I need to think. Home. 
Oh, we need a car. What's, what's happening? Oh my god, I can't think. We're gonna freeze. So I set Mariana down on the curb. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I begin to try to flag down vehicles. But I can't see anything. Just orbs of light speeding at me. I'm standing in the middle of the road with my hands up. And if anybody stops, I, I plead with them. I'm an American and, and, and we're lost. We, we've been drugged. I, I live in Ghana while one. I, I don't know what's happening. I, I don't have a phone and I need help. Please. And then they yell at me in a language I don't understand. They slam their doors and they take off. And that happens again and again and again. We were all alone. I see a light, and this time I think it might be a gas station, but I can't stand anymore. The adrenaline rush is gone, so we begin crawling towards the light. Blackout. I wake up and we're laying beneath a large construction light, absolutely filthy from head to toe. Some tarps flapping behind us and the half-finished framing job of a building hanging over me. I have absolutely no idea where we are. I look over at Mariana. Blackout. I woke up the next morning staring at my ceiling with the sun breaking through my windows. Wondering if it was all a dream, until next to me I found Mariana curled up, eyes wide, still shaking and coming down from the dose. And uh, I remember somehow we were laying in the bed. I was scared to go to the bathroom because I was so sure that is there. And I had these visions uh, and, and it was like very bad because I always like thought that He's some, somewhere, like, near us. I remember that very clearly, I think. You were just telling me, go to sleep, go to sleep, Mariana, and I was like, no, sorry, sorry for that. No, you have nothing to be sorry for at all. I remember being really terrified, too. I fall out of bed and fill us both up with water. Then I grab my local phone and call my Latvian producer. Julie, Something terrible happened last night, and I, I just can't go back to Destan's, but he has my phone and, and my jacket and Mariana's purse, and I'm just so tired. I, I need your help. It's okay, Tommy. Go back to sleep. I will handle it. I will handle it. I will handle it. Mariana and I slowly nurse ourselves back to reality, but we're both still so badly broken. And that night we go out to dinner to try and nourish ourselves for the first time in 24 hours, but everything is disjointed and foreboding, frightening like a Cronenberg film. Every voice I heard, every man who looked my way, I, I know this sounds crazy, but at the moment, I was convinced genuinely that they were all in on it together. I was having those feelings also, so I felt very uncomfortable when we were eating. I couldn't like be around the around people and I, I remember I was avoiding to watch their faces because everybody was like you know was so scary to me it's like all the warmth I felt throughout this entire trip vanished everything I had done all the wonderful people I met all the comfort that I had it was all stripped away by this one single event and then the texts began coming 
Call me, Tommy. I need to talk to you, Tommy. I want to see before you leave, Tommy. Did you get my text, Tommy? Did you get my email, Tommy? Call me, Tommy. Tommy, 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 Tommy. And it went on and on like this until I finally got a call from Julie. This Don would like to say goodbye and go to lunch tomorrow. He says he couldn't reach you and wanted us to try and call. She sounded ashamed because she was the only one who knew what had happened, and yet here she was doing his bidding. I'm not going alone. I I will go with you. Okay. The Don offered to pick me up, but I resisted saying we should just meet at the restaurant, but as usual, he didn't take no for an answer. And so the next day, he and his driver arrived at my apartment while I was out in front smoking a cigarette. His SUV pulled up and he hopped out with a big smile on his face. Tommy. He pulls me in for a hug like nothing ever happened. Come on, man, get in the car. And we're off. It doesn't seem so reasonable to me now, honestly, But at the time, I was genuinely afraid he was going to kill me. I was worried that I'd offended him or that I knew something that I shouldn't. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how things work in that world, but I was afraid. Could he just make me disappear? For a while, we sat in silence while the driver navigated the streets. Tommy, how are you feeling, man? We got pretty fucked up the other night, huh? I hope everything is okay. You left pretty quickly. I didn't want him to know that I was afraid of him. I didn't want him to think that he had any control over me, so I just, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I just wasn't feeling well, you know? Yes, of course. You know, Tony, I shared many things with you, huh? He reaches over and puts his hand firmly on my knee. I shared my money. I shared my city, my family. I thought uh, maybe I could share my woman. Share your woman? I think to myself, I've never even heard a phrase like that. Irina wanted to fuck you, so I thought, uh, why not, you know? Pedal to the metal. First off, I don't know where he learned an American phrase like pedal to the metal, but more importantly, he was trying to pass off surreptitiously drugging us as some sort of casual sexual miscommunication. If he had sat us down and been like, hey, we were thinking that we might like, you know, all fool around, you know, like, let's take these drugs and see what happens. I would have totally respected that. I mean, I would have said no, but I would have totally respected it. But a man like Destan doesn't ask for anything. He takes what he wants. I suppose for a man in his business and with his life experience and with his whatever, drugging somebody and forcing them into some quasi-rape scenario doesn't fall too far outside the bounds of normality, maybe. He squeezed my knee firmly. I told Irina that she should not have expectations, though, because when you have expectations, you can get disappointed. Do you know what I mean? We pulled up to the restaurant and had an uneventful lunch, both pretending like nothing had happened, you know. When Destan dropped me at home after, he walked me to the door. I will miss you, Tommy. I'm going sailing Croatia in April. Maybe, maybe you will come with me. Um, I'll probably be pretty deep in post by then. You know, finishing our movie. Won't really be able to get away. Oh, of course, of course. 
Well, no problem. Maybe I'll see you in California. I'm thinking about moving my family. I mean, this city is nice, but it can be a bit boring, don't you think? See you, Destan. I walked inside and closed the door, then locked it behind me. And six hours later, I was on a plane headed home to Los Angeles. And now a few years later, I'm here. Talking to you. Still trying to figure out what it all meant. How all these people fit into my life. And how I fit into theirs. How the fuck did I get here? What was it like for you when you went back home? Did you talk to anybody about what happened that night? I guess I'm I'm asking because the way that I, I dealt with it was that I talked about it a lot. And I was just wondering if you if you told anybody that story. I couldn't tell that to anybody. I needed the time to go through those steps with myself, but I remember that I came home to my parents' house just to rest like a week or something. And every night I was like waking up, screaming and trying to get out from the house to the windows. And my mother found me like struggling with windows. And she told me that I was talking in English and I was calling you and some names, but she didn't like uh, understand which names I, and I don't remember well, but I remember every night I was trying to like escape from this place where I was sleeping. And I think that in my mind, every place was that apartment I'm trying to like escape. I felt very like um, lost. It was so strange. Then I came back to Zagreb and I was telling the story to my friends and then I started to like talk to myself again, like everything that happened and then I found that uh, that I need time just to recover, I think, because that was like very stressed period of our lives. I think that six months later, I, I still couldn't be me, you know, I was still struggling with myself and everything that happened. You know, looking back at it like this um, and walking through everything that happened while making this podcast, uh, I, I wish that I had handled a lot of things differently with you. Obviously, I wish I wish I hadn't put us in a position for <clears throat> for that night to happen. Um, but more more than that, you know, what I think I wish I had taken more responsibility for was just fucking talking to you while everything was going on. I wish that I hadn't like left you alone because I know what that could feel like, and I just I wish I wish I wish I hadn't done a lot of that. The time there with you. I think was so important that it deserved 
me being a different version of myself. I'm so sorry that uh, that that's not who I was. And, you know. But I think that everything happened okay because because we were really handling a lot of stuff, and I I I really don't think that we we were there and we were like acting like we were acting like how we can i mean i don't i i i i we can like okay now it's much easier like to stand by and then to reverse everything and to see like everything in in different perspective but but i think that you don't have to worry about me because i was like there i knew what i was going through and i was ready to talk about that then there but you you wasn't so that was your stuff you know yeah i don't know uh, but i i'm i i was also like discovering how 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 was your character like unstable you know i mean in those ways like those emotional ways because you you didn't have like those strengths to to stop some things and i think that was kind of sign that you really didn't ready to have any relationships that yeah. is the exact yeah. truth and it's and it's funny yeah. listening to yeah. you talk and talking about this with you i felt like at the time that our relationship was the most chaotic part of that adventure but when i look back on it and analyze what that entire experience was our relationship was actually the most stable part of that entire trip and the most yeah. honest yeah, the, the mo- relationship that yeah, i the had most honest. Yeah. The, the entire yeah. time but but then but that was when we were alone together We come into each other's lives with a purpose and we change each other. So, tell me, Tommy. Huh? How did I change you? I see every day I'm without water, I'm in a rain. In the house, I'm cutting vegetables. I'm going to fall down under the tree. You'll find another reason. I'm here to be better. I'm the best in this house. Love kills me because I'm alone. I don't want anyone to hurt me, even if I'm the lion. I love when I'm not enough. I know that Jesus is your lie, like a king. Мы могли бы быть лучше, чем мы есть Но ты зачем-то лечишь и ни слова про болезнь Я вроде хотел дать уверенности, вышла лезть Из-за таких, как ты, Олесь, я хочу выше лезть Вместе Я бы хотел, чтобы мною двигало Жизнь словно выстрел, дезерт игла Кем ты себя чувствуешь после веселья дикого? Три дня работы мамы дилеру с тебя упитого Тупое, тупое стадо пизданом Мы сами на себя надеваем пояс Адама В виде дешевого эго, дорогого грамма Ведь ты при входе в клуб, как будто на пороге храма Любовь это не значит наносить друг другу травму Но если я доверюсь, то доверься мне на равных Жизнь заставит стоять стойки, но я не устойк Парок не сверсил без одиночества, как у героев Марвел Период, период Она сказала то, что без меня не хочет Yeah, 
All right, motherfuckers. That's the show. Um, thank you to my producers, Isaiah Smallman and Bryce McGuire from Mama Bear Studios. Thank you to my composer, Michael Schumann, for all the original music. Thank you to Don for creating Icon and allowing us to use it as our theme song. Thank you to Pharaoh and Monongazal for all the incredible Russian rap. Thank you, Mediana Gratacek, for your time and your vulnerability. And thank you for listening. If you liked it, tell some friends. And if not, go fuck yourself. This is Tommy Bertelson, signing off from some garage hidden deep in Echo Park, California. Stay safe, everybody. Take care of each other.